This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Yes, here we are. Another episode. Episode? Are we an episode? Another another edition? Another edition of the opening kickoff. Another exciting three hours. Three whole hours with the one and only Lee Shervanian. Probably about 15 minutes spent listening to One Shining Moment and you humming along. And and that's a good thing. And there are worse ways that's a good, to spend no, no, your no, morning, no, no, i got to be honest. I'm praising you. That's a good thing. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we will continue today... Getting you qualified for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge because mm-hmm. we're going to see you guys at Moe's tonight. Hey, let me ask you something, and I know I'm interrupting and I apologize, but if I don't interrupt now, I'll forget to ask you. Do you consider yourself in the same light as Rodgers? Rodgers is a quarterback. You as a radio announcer. As an Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, as an Aaron Rodgers. Do you consider yourself right up there as far as when it comes to co-host or a radio broadcaster? You've been in this business for a long time now. Do you consider yourself an elite like Rodgers does, a diva? I, I didn't realize Aaron Rodgers considered himself elite. Oh, you don't think he does? I do. I mean, I know people consider him yeah. that, but I don't know if he does. Well, I was just curious. Are you going to be emailing me lists of people you want on the show now? Um. Uh, because no. I've asked you in the past if you want, but I, I was wondering now that if Aaron does it, does that open up the market that you want to do that too? I, I could, I could certainly. Sure. You, do you want me to start sending you lists? Wouldn't bother me at all. Would it bother you if I told you we don't need all these people? No, because I just overlook it. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I'd overlook it. So uh, we'll get to the Rogers story, but some exciting games last night to open up the NCAA tournament. Uh, wait, I wait a minute. Go back to what we originally wanted because interrupted. This is about the contest. You're just all over the place. We've been on I'm, for like that's what happens. Seconds, that's man. what happens with temperature drops like this, and the I'm, I'm, the weather just makes me wacky. There you go again. You're off on another tangent. I'm so confused. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, Where did we leave off? Let's go with the the contest. The WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. Tonight at Moe's, we will be uh, issuing teams to everybody that has qualified. So come on out to Moe's. Be there. um, I think think Nick's going to start checking people in around 5. I think the announcements, we're going to start handing out teams around 6.30-ish. But the game plan will be broadcasting from down there, if I'm not mistaken. So come on out and see Corey. Uh, and I guess Bronner will be there, and uh, there will be some other prizes up for grabs. Again, you get a team. That team wins the uh, national championship, and you get a uh, two one-hour jet ski rides from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. You also get the Bailey, smart TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress. Uh, and if you don't get qualified, fear not. There are going to be some spots open. We're going to get some guys that come on out. Uh, and who aren't registered, we'll give them a chance to get registered when you come out to Moe's. So we hope to see you out there this afternoon or this evening at Moe's Barbecue Downtown. You might get Pittsburgh. You might get Texas A&M Corpus Christi because they have advanced. Both were really good games last night. Tell you what, if the other games that are being played can come anywhere near as close as the Pittsburgh-Mississippi State game, we're going to have quite a tournament. 
There were 21 lead changes, the most in five years. There were nine ties. Pittsburgh prevails 60 to 59. They got a uh, two-pointer with about 10 seconds to go, and yet Mississippi State had not one but two chances to win it. There was a missed three-pointer. There was a missed tip-in, and the Panthers move on with their first NCAA tournament win since 2014. Meanwhile, the Islanders of Texas A&M Corpus Christi, they survive, and they get a chance to take on Alabama tomorrow at about 145 in Birmingham, and we'll have the broadcast beginning at 12.30. That game was very tight. Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the Islanders, led most of the way, hit a couple of free throws down the stretch to beat SEMO, which is Southeast Missouri State. Uh, I say this every year. I'm not a fan of these play-in games or these first four, whatever we call them. I don't feel like they're part of the tournament. I don't think you should get credit for getting NCAA tournament wins by winning these games. Uh, you are basically the sacrificial lamb. I just don't. I don't like it. I know there was a, we talked about them going up to as many as ninety teams and all that kind of stuff. I don't like this. I. I. I it Did doesn't you watch like, it? No, not a single second of it. In fact, if I and I was a little disappointed in Mississippi State that an SEC school got into this game and then didn't win the game. I, I just. I'm just not a fan. I. I think it's unnecessary this is a part of every team gets a trophy mentality and the more the merrier and it's it it should be can you imagine if 90 plus teams get into a tournament how how special does it become if everybody is going you know i just i just don't like it back when they only took 16 they were probably saying the same thing and then it went to what 32 and then it went to 48 and then it went to 64 i will say this you know, obviously, you don't have to watch it or take part in it, but it does give at least two teams or the four teams that play their own their let's say the the, the one shining moment for them because most likely they're not going to advance. I think only twice as a play-in team made it to the um, final four. I remember VCU. Uh, I think George Mason, and that's it. So, you know, to that, you know, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, they'd be lost in the shuffle if they were playing. Thursday outside of the state of Alabama. They get that one moment of glory, their 15 minutes of fame. I wasn't in favor of going to 68. I like 64 too. I'm with you on that, but I don't begrudge the fact that they're, they're playing these games. And, you know, if you get some good basketball games, that's great. Like tonight, there's not much interest right here at this table in Arizona State, Nevada, or Texas Southern and Farley Dickinson. But, uh, you know, that's the way the tournament's set up. I think they went a little overboard, but let's face it. They're looking at it from more money, more money. Let's get some more money in. Okay, fair enough. You guys can jump in on that if you'd like. It's 694-1055. By the way, another – seems like all the big wigs, all the – the big names in college basketball are picking Alabama to win the national championship. Charles Barkley, Dick Vitale. There's one that uh, isn't. Stephen A. Smith even jumped on the old Crimson Tide bandwagon. Yeah, Jay Billis is picking Arizona. Oh, the nerve. Uh, the others you mentioned definitely going with Alabama. But you know what? I, I have a I have a bone to pick with you. So you you wrote that story. I picked Alabama. You didn't put my name in there. Yeah. Why? I just figured everybody knew who you were. They didn't know who those other ones were. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Did you put – and I noticed you didn't put your name in there either. You, no, I did not because my name was on the story. I didn't True. need to put my name in yeah, there. Yeah, I picked Alabama. I picked them right from day one when we started talking about it. 
I wasn't in there. I'm sure if the you, name so you Shervanian think were in the headlines, everybody would have been clicking on it to read it. wasn't for me. Dick Vitale would have never started his coaching career at Detroit. Okay. No, I'm so, teasing. I'm only so kidding. So Vitale, comma, who would not have started his coaching career without he WNSP's Lee Shervanian, comma, he would Alabama. Have. I just talked him into it, but he would have. He would have done great things. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers, I like one story where, quote, He's holding the Packers and Jets hostage. Eh, not going quite that far. Here's the deal with the Jets. They are so desperate to make the playoffs. They've gone 12 years now without making the postseason. They'll do anything. And I think Green Bay's desperate to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. So they want to make the trade. And this has been bubbling for a couple of days now while every free agent out there is signing. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers... The Packers can trade him to whoever they want, but to get the deal done, of course, the Jets have to agree, so they need an okay from Aaron Rodgers. They want to be sure he wants to come there. I mean, the Packers can go ahead and trade him to whoever they want, but they want to get a good deal. I don't know what the uh, Jets are going to give up in this. So the latest on this, which I think is kind of humorous, and I don't know if this has been done before, and maybe it has, where maybe they asked him or maybe he just told him. He said, give me a wish list of players you'd like. And and one on that list is Alan Lazard, who they already went ahead and signed. A couple of other receivers he put on the list. He put Odell Beckham. Basically, he was putting his friends and receivers, but he's never played with Beckham, but apparently they're friends. And he'd like the Jets to get him. But they did get Lazard. They had some good receivers last year. That guy Wilson, I think, wasn't he like a freshman or a first-year player, rookie of the year? So it's not like they're devoid of, of, of receivers. But Aaron Rodgers has given them a wish list of free agents. Uh, the Jets have already signed one. I don't know if they're going to go ahead. And here's the deal, Mark. I don't know about the timeline. I don't know if they were going to go after Lazard with or without Rodgers' wish list. But still, this thing is hanging. Everybody thinks it's going to happen. But yet, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, you're never sure. All right, so there's a lot to unpack there. But the idea of a uh, quarterback or any player in the NFL giving an organizational list of players to get uh, is probably uh, – it's been trending that way for a while. And it kind of leads to another story that we need to get to, which is Dame Lillard uh, has not really uh, went on the record to say he doesn't enjoy what the NBA is becoming – which is kind of this ring mentality, right? This is a guy that decided he's going to stay where he is and win with what he's got and try to build toward a championship. But isn't what Aaron Rodgers doing, isn't that sort of the the NFL version of what the NBA has become? I mean, if, if, if there's this ring mentality in the NBA and guys are teaming up with other guys specifically to go win titles... I mean, isn't that kind of what Aaron Rodgers is trying to do in the NFL right now, which is load up his team with guys he thinks can win? I mean, how many different times have we seen, and I'm not being critical of it, I'm just saying it's just kind of human nature. How many different times, and it, it, it's happened over the years, where franchises have gone to their quarterbacks and asked for input, or quarterbacks have made their uh their wishes known to the front office. I don't know if anybody's ever gone with an extensive like grocery list of players. You know, I haven't followed the Jets game by game, but from what I gather, they're a quarterback shy of making it to postseason. The receivers weren't the issue. The rece- the quarterbacks were the issue. So, but I understand where Rodgers, look, he's 
he's either 39 or 40. He knows he's in the twilight of his career, maybe his last year, his last hurrah. So, you know, he'd like to have guys that he's familiar with, but he doesn't have to come in and break in a new group of receivers. I understand where he's coming from on this. I really do. Do I agree with it? No. But the Jets are so desperate. They they desperate in need of get to the postseason. I think they're going to do anything they want to try to please this guy and to get him in there because that may be their great, their last hope. They already traded Mike White, not that he was going to be their starting quarterback. You still have Zach Wilson on the roster. and I don't know if Joe uh, Flacco was still there or not. So I don't agree with that, uh, you know, the inmates running the asylum. But if the Jets want him so badly, what's wrong with, you know, I mean, going I would give and, him what he wanted. If, yeah. I, if my team was Courtney Aaron Rodgers or. You do the best you can to you, make him happy. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have no problem with it. I don't know if this goes on with other programs. I don't know if the Panthers, when they signed Andy Dalton, and if they if Andy gave them a wish list. Of like, uh, I'm teasing, of course, about that. So. You know, he is, like I said, he comes across as a diva, comes across as, uh, you know, one of the elite. Come on, my gosh, he's won, what, two MVPs in the last three years. You could understand how the Jets feel about this. They, they, You got the Giants to deal with in the market. You want to get into the postseason. So do what you have to do to make it happen. Uh, someone in the app, didn't Brady just kind of do that with Tampa? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know. So, um, but... I guess my question to you guys is, is, is that kind of the NFL's version of of what Dame Lillard is accusing the NBA of becoming? Well, not becoming. They are. I mean, that, that goes back a ways. I think that all started, and maybe even before when LeBron went to Miami with Wade and, and Bosch. Sure. Uh, and, it, and I'm trying to recall maybe even before that. There, back then, it was like, you get three all-stars, you win. So I'm trying to remember if even... Well, you know what? That doesn't always happen, though. I'll go back before you guys were even following the NBA. When Chamberlain went to the Lakers and you had Baylor and West, I mean, you can't get three better NBA all-stars than that and it took them a while. They didn't exactly... They only won, like, one championship, and Baylor was gone by the time they did it. Yes, Nicholas. Um... <laughs> I was just going to chime in and say that I blame the Mark Himes and the Lee Shervanians of the world for the state of the NBA. How so? Well, I actually listened to that podcast with Damian Lillard, and he blames ring culture, right? Everyone just cares about ring culture. Everyone just cares about who had that 60-point game. That's all we care about. All we care about is the drama, right? What did Kyrie do wrong? No one really cares. They're going to flip the ball back to Davis. They get it to Smith. Going toward the basket. Blocked away by Diaz Graham. It'll remain Mississippi State basketball. Plenty of time. Two point seven. All right. A uh, real short segment here. Man, we're going to break right around the corner here, but uh, Brian Bosar is going to join us here in just a little bit. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee from the studios of WNSP. One of the uh, NFL notes will talk to uh, Ross. Michael Thomas going to stay with the Saints for another year. Super Bowl! Woohoo! Just give us that Lombardi, baby. 
I did want to mention also. Oh, you said he was going to be there. I thought he's going to be he, there. I thought you said he was going to play. My bad. I, I rescind that. Oh, we hope he day. plays. We hope he does. Uh, another story, of course, we talked about Will Wade take over at McNeese State. He has to sit out at least the first five games. We don't know if there'll be more when he takes over at McNeese State. I don't know if that was imposed by the school. I don't know if that was an NCAA sanction, but he still may face more sanctions from the NCAA resulting from the— uh, I think uh, that was McNeese. I thought so, too. Yeah, proactive. So he may face even more than that once the NCAA issues their sanctions against him from what happened at LSU. Man, how desperate of a program do you have to be to hire that guy? Mark, it's the same thing. Some, you know, They haven't been to the NCAA tournament since, I think, 2002. That's how desperate. Yeah, but to the point where you're going to openly— openly hire a guy there are federal wiretaps where he is openly offering money well maybe you're an ad and you haven't won anything and your program's going nowhere and you look to put little insert some electricity into it although in their defense now in the world nil i mean you can now you can now offer money and just maybe you just use different wording hey speaking of nil the House Energy Committee is now going to meet and talk about NIL. Oh, good. Because they don't have enough to do. What, what, what committee? It's called the uh, House Energy... And there's another name that goes with them. So it's the first legislative look into this with the new Congress based on the request by NCAA officials. Hmm. House Committee for Energy? Energy, and let me find out the other. I apologize, too. There's another word that goes with that committee. <laughs> Energy and power. That may be it. I got to get my Buffalo Wild Wings story, too, at some point. But whatever. Brian Bosarge is next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooter. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it shows. In one shining moment, it's all right. 6:32. Here's your chance to have your one shining moment. Give us a call. Be the first one to get Nick on the phone, and you'll be qualified for tonight's. WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. That's right. We'll be at Moe's Barbecue this evening where we are going to issue a team to every single qualifier. If that team wins the national championship, wins the bracket, you win a smart TV from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one hour wave runner rides from Gulf Coast Water Rentals right here in Mobile on Dog River. They're the only company in Mobile that offers that service. And I can tell you that those uh, wave runners and jet skis uh, have uh, have space for two adults and a child. So, I mean, that's a, that's a party for, I'm doing the math, almost like six people. So you're going to want to get in on that. And if you don't get qualified, fear not. Uh, we have some open spots, so you can come by Moe's this evening, and you will have an opportunity to get registered at our party. So we look forward to seeing you there at Moe's this evening. Been a lot of uh, action going on with the NFL these days. Uh, obviously, we had the Carolina Panthers moving up to take the number one uh, draft pick away from the Chicago Bears with that big trade. And obviously the first thing I was thinking about, what does this do for Bryce Young? 
Uh, does T, uh, does uh, C.J. Stroud become the number one pick? And does uh, Bryce Young maybe move down to number two to Houston because both are in the need of quarterbacks? So lots more with the free agent signings. I thought one of significance yesterday was Shad Penny, San Diego State. Uh, is now signed with the Eagles, and they had a really good running back in Sanders, so apparently they're going to let him walk. Mentioned about Jeremy Rees. Washington is trying to keep him as a restricted free agent, but uh, a team can come and match that offer. I mentioned about Andy Dalton uh, leaving the Saints. No surprise there. He'll be the backup, perhaps, to whoever becomes the quarterback for Carolina. They've pretty much cleaned house on the quarterbacks they had last year. All right, so uh, by the way, Pat McAfee's show is today. Aaron Rodgers is scheduled to be joined, so we'll see if there are any pearls of wisdom that get dropped on that topic uh, this afternoon here. Um, we'll keep you abreast of the situation. All right, so it looks like we got some time if you want to jump in at uh, 694-1055. Um, one of the things that I wanted to get to earlier today uh, and didn't get a chance to, uh, we may have to hold off on it, but uh, is this whole, did you see this whole Buffalo Wild Wings thing? No. They're being sued because uh, the suit suggests that their uh, boneless wings are not wings at all. How about that? So a guy in Chicago filed the lawsuit last week for false advertising saying that the boneless wings are just overpriced chicken nuggets. And so he goes on to say that the uh, wings are just, quote, slices of chicken breast meat deep fried like wings. And the customers would either pay less for the boneless wings or not purchase them if, if at all if they knew what the product was made of. And my response to that is, I don't care what you call them. If they're good... I'm going to eat them. And two, does anybody re did anybody ever really think when they walked in and ordered boneless buffalo wings that they were indeed buffalo wings and not chicken nuggets? I mean, is there anybody out there that actually thought this? What say you, Lee? Mark, I'm probably the last person to ask because I never order buffalo wings. Well, it's I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I just never order it, no matter where I go. Oh, okay. And I've never had them at Buffalo Wings or Baumhauer's or anywhere. I'm just, I like chicken, but I've never been, let's say, a big fan of the wings. Well, Baumhauer's, uh, funny enough, does not have boneless buffalo wings. They have hot lips. Wink, wink. And I've been at a table where people have ordered the hot lips. And they're delicious. And I consider them boneless buffalo wings. But you know what they are? They're chicken nuggets, and I'm okay with that. Let's take a phone call. Elvis joins us here on WNSP. What's up, Elvis? Hang on, Elvis. Two things. Go ahead. What's up, man? Hey, two things. One, did you expect any other answer from Lee except the one he just gave you? And two, how am I supposed to follow that story, an explosive Buffalo wing controversy story. How am I supposed to follow that, man? With your so own experience. Yeah, give it a shot. I know you can come through. All right. So I got a theory on the whole ring culture and why it exists. All right. Shoot. I, I, I blame. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't say blame, but I mean, I, I put it on two particular athletes through the media. I mean, the media is actually responsible, I think. And it's because of two athletes. One is Jordan and one is 
Brady. Okay. When Jordan was a first, second-year guy, he was so good and so dominant. Even that early in his career, people started talking, talking about, hey, you know, man, this guy, he could, he, he might be the best ever. But, well, then, then came the but. But he doesn't have any rings. He's never won a championship. And that, that stood for like the first six years of his career. Then finally, he starts winning titles. And as soon as he did, that was the go-to for making him the greatest of all time in the media. I mean, it, it, they finally had, you know, a go-to reason. And, you know, he's, he's done this. He leads the league in scoring. He's an unbelievable player. He flies through the air. And he's got a title. And he's got two titles. And he's three-peated. And then the same kind of thing happened with Brady. If you remember, he wins the title. He wins the Super Bowl in his second year. And by the time he's 25, he's got three Super Bowls. And people were starting to talk about him as being the best quarterback in history. And the guy's 25 years old. So, I mean, ultimately, I think it comes its from the media, but it was because of two, all, you know, two all-time athletes, and I don't know, greatest ever, whatever. I mean, it's, it's completely subjective. But anyway, that's my theory. I'm out, man. Thanks, Elvis. Not a bad theory. I remember back when, when Bill Russell was winning all those rings, nobody said anything. Nobody well, said you had to be a, a ring bearer to, to be a great player. Yeah, I uh, I would argue, though, that people started talking about Marino in the 80s for the opposite reason, though. So I think it's always been there, but I think Nick's point about social media is accurate. There's just more there, there it, there's just more immediate reaction. But we talked about Marino and Elway, and they were great, but, right? So it was the opposite of what, what Elvis was talking about. Let's continue talking a little uh, football with our guests. All right. With, I'm Rosarge from uh, Deep, Dra- Deep Fried Draft is on the line, uh, Draft Countdown. Brian, good morning. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, good to be on with you. Hey, thank you so much. All right. Uh, I mentioned about Carolina moving up to get the number one. How does that affect your draft board right now? I mean, it doesn't really affect it. I mean, uh, to be honest, everybody expected Chicago to move off number one as soon as they had it. And as soon as they secured the pick, they're like, okay, they have Justin Fields. They're not drafting a quarterback. So we expected a quarterback needy team to come up. Uh, Carolina paid the price to do it. And it was a, you know, I thought the Bears got good value for it. They, they wanted a number one receiver. They've got that now with DJ Moore. They get a number one next year. They get a two in 2025, and they get, you know, a first and a second this year. They go down to nine, uh, which puts them in prime position to get probably what, whoever the best offensive tackle is in this class. So I, I think Chicago did a good job here uh, getting maximum value for the pick, and Carolina gets to come up, and their new coach, Frank Wright, gets to have his pick of quarterbacks. Okay, but Brian, is it fair to say now, instead of maybe a defensive player and a quarterback going 1-2, that we'll see two quarterbacks go 1-2 in the draft? There is prevailing theories out there that we can see quarterbacks go 1-2-3-4, depending on if Arizona uh, sells their pick as well, which a lot of people think will happen now, that they'll move off of three and come down a few spots. Uh, where you could see all four of the quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. It's never happened before, and the odds are probably not high it's going to happen again. But, I mean, the, the, the possibility is out there. All right. Who do you have now as number one? What quarterback do you have going to Carolina? 
After listening to Frank Reich talk at the Combine and describe what he was looking for in his quarterback, it almost screams out loud to me that it's going to be C.J. Stroud, the quarterback at Ohio State. He mentioned uh, size multiple times. And uh, the other attributes that he mentioned that he was looking for a quarterback, to me, almost read like C.J. Stroud's scouting report. So I think he's going to end up number one with Bryce Young going number two to the Texans. And you mentioned the possibility of four quarterbacks, one, two, three, four. Would that be Levis and Richardson? Maybe not in that order? Yeah, I think that's going to de- that is definitely the two that would go. I think Richardson's going to be the one that a team's going to trade up for. Uh, with Arizona, like if Arizona was to sell out the, the third pick, I think Richardson would be that guy that a team would want to move ahead of the Colts for. So that that's the key, like because everybody at this with them cutting Matt Ryan yesterday, uh, the Colts are going to be in the market for a quarterback. So anybody else that wants one knows they have to get ahead of the Colts to get that quarterback. Okay, you mentioned one thing that's happened in the last three days of the. NFL, uh, free agents, and uh, coming and going. Anything else that you've seen that's happened the last two or three days that you think will affect the draft? Yeah, I mean, sure. There's, there's been several of these big free agent signings uh, that's going to affect what teams do. I don't necessarily know it's going to affect what teams do at the top. Um, just because the Raiders signed um, – what's the quarterback that they bring in? I, I, uh, Garoppolo? I don't – Garoppolo, yeah. I don't necessarily know the way the, with that contract structured that that precludes them from being one of the teams that goes up to get another quarterback. I mean, it's essentially like a two-year deal where they can get out of it, you know, fairly easily after that second year. So if they do like Anthony Richardson, you know, that might be the appropriate amount of development time that he needs and you could see them moving up to draft Richardson from seven to three. I'm not sure it's going to, it would cost a whole heck of a lot to go up that high. And they just got an extra third round pick yesterday when they traded Darren Waller uh, to the Giants. So they now have some extra ammunition to go up if they need to do that. I believe today is George's pro day. If, if in fact I'm correct on that, how important is this for Stetson Bennett? I, I'm not necessarily sure it's that important for Stetson Bennett. Is I think he probably met with the several teams at the Combine and had pri- private meetings with those teams. And I think the meetings were the most important thing for Bennett at the Combine. He's a decent athlete with a below-average arm. I, I mean, he's a, he's a late-round quarterback prospect. Anything he was going to do uh, to elevate himself was done at the Combine meeting-wise. The biggest uh, guy today to – that this pro day is helping is Jalen Carter and because he didn't get to test at the combine. So if he does indeed work out today, that that's the guy who needs a lot of rehab, obviously, you know, image wise, and he needs to go out and have a, you know, a, not necessarily a Jordan Davis level workout that he had at the combine last year, but something to, to get some positive news in his direction. So far, Brian, with about, what, four, five, six weeks to go before the draft, what's the the biggest surprise or the biggest story in your mind? It's the fact that, you know, the Panthers made the, made the deal up. That's the biggest, biggest story. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. 
Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A all right, boys and girls, here you go. A little brain teaser this morning as we wrap up our normal. What you got for the folks? Let's go with the 11 seeds. Last night, Pittsburgh, an 11 seed, beat Mississippi State. So they'll advance to take on Iowa State in the NCAA tournament. Tonight of the two games, there's another playing 11 seed with Arizona State taking on Nevada. So the question is, in the history of the NCAA tournament, I believe there's been five number – 11 seeds at one time or another that have made it to the final four name the school that was the first 11 seed to get to the final four six nine four one oh five five all right if you get the answer then you get the special gift right here on wnsp uh by the way uh buffalo wild wings has responded to the lawsuit that their wild wing or that their boneless wings are indeed chicken nuggets uh, they took to Twitter. They say, it's true. Our boneless wings are all white meat chicken. Our hamburgers contain no ham. Our buffalo wings are 0% buffalo. What do you think of that? Good to know. I just, I just think this is... Does anybody go to a wing place and order boneless wings and really think... That they're anything but chicken nuggets. And do you care? See, I don't care what you call food as long as I enjoy it. As long as it's good. But is it a misrepresentation of wings and chicken nuggets if you call chicken nuggets boneless wings? Asking for a friend. Mark, I don't I'm with you. Well, I don't know. I don't care. I've I can give you a different type of version. I've gone to restaurants and ordered fish thinking that it was grouper, but it comes out as white fish or whatever. I don't care as long as it tastes good and there's no bones as in it. As long as it's yeah, I mean as as long as something not, I'm, I'm right. not allergic to it as long exactly. as far as I'm concerned, I'm not allergic. I, I see the wheels turning over there at Nick. I think he's trying to be counter to no, whatever I'm just it is I'm saying. Did the lady think that a boneless wing It was a guy, by the way. The guy. Did she did he think that a boneless wing was just a chicken wing with the bone that they mashed yeah, like, into a ball? Yeah, I think maybe somebody took the meat off the wing and then, you know, concocted it in a way that it came out as a little... Like a little wing nugget. Wing nugget. Hmm, now, now that I'm thinking about it, I think maybe that's what I assumed they were. Come on. But now, like, the more that I'm processing it, I'm like, that makes no sense. I mean, how many wings would you that have That would make to... them more expensive than regular wings. Exactly. There's a lot of, there's a lot of manual labor behind that. How, much, how, mu- how many wings would it take to take the meat off a wing to make a boneless wing? And I think you got your answer. All I'm saying is I don't really care. When I go to a when I go to a, a a venue like that, I'm just looking for food that tastes good. That's all I'm looking for. And good service. Yeah, but good food trumps everything. I mean, if 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 the food's really good, you're willing to overlook other deficiencies in the place. Did we get a winner on your uh, Chick Fil A? We did. Chris is our winner. The answer is LSU. They were first of I think five 
11 seeds to ever make it to the Final Four. That was a Dale Brown team. Uh, by the way, in uh, in the coming hours, I have a I have a, a dating scenario that's gone viral. Lee, we're gonna need your we're gonna need your um, your expertise on this in your in your feedback. You too, Nick. I mean, you can join. Little Nick can. Well, join he's too. more into the dating scene now. Uh, is he though? Yeah, they call me the love doctor. The love doctor. So it went viral on TikTok, but we're gonna share it a little bit later in the day with uh, in the in the morning with you. You guys can uh, you guys can jump in and give us. It has to do with a date, a restaurant not named Buffalo Wild Wings, and mm. cheese. How about that? How's that for a tease? I've had a couple nights like that. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all, my friend? Haven't we all? But uh, coming up at seven, we're gonna talk to Ross Jackson. JD Byers will be along to talk about the South Alabama Alabama baseball game at seven thirty. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide on Alabama basketball at 8. And Richie Riley joins us. I bet you Richie has a good take on this whole dating fiasco. Oh, I thought you were going to say the chicken wings. I'm sure he can help us out with the boneless chicken wings as well. Are you ordering a boneless wing anytime ever? Uh, I have had what many would consider boneless wings. In fact, uh, uh, the hot lips are pretty good. at. Uh, but you see, Baumhauer's was smart. They didn't name them boneless chicken wings. They named them hot lips. I don't know. That's a little more confusing to me. Where the heck is the lip of the chicken? Maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, where are those lips been, man? I don't. I don't know. But they're tasty. I like them. But again, if you, I wouldn't like them or dislike them or feel cheated if you called them boneless boneless wings. Right. See, see I only eat a boneless wing if I'm out and I don't want to get sauce all on my face and fingers. That's the only reason I'm choosing a boneless wing. Just, uh, well, it's I all mean, hygienic reasoning. Well, I mean, there are other advantages. It's less work. There's more payoff for less work. Right? There's more substance there. I mean, there's, to borrow a phrase from the traditional wing, there's more meat on that bone. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, I think a bone in wing's a little meatier than a nugget. But I feel like you're getting more. Like uh, you got a wing that's this big. This is great radio. He's like a nugget that's this big. I get that the nugget's all meat and right. there's a bone in this, but the meat around the bone, uh, that I feel like that would be in a greater amount and mass. Well, here's what you do: meat. pick up some gen wings from an unnamed location. We we need maybe most barbecue test. tonight. Okay, their wings are actually humongous though. So that's not fair. But how big are their <laughs> yeah, they're, they're nuggets. <laughs> they're, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, coming up in hour number two, Ross Jackson's going to talk some Saints next. Uh, we'll also have a plenty of opportunities for you to get qualified for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge, so be listening for those details as well. Hour number one in the books. Here comes hour number two right here on the sports station, WNSP. On the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. 
The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 7.04. You guys are up in arms over this wild Buffalo Wild Wings story and the lawsuit. We'll get back to it here in a little bit, but I like where your head's at this morning as uh, we are preparing for March Madness. Welcome in. It's hour number two. It's the opening kickoff. Headlines yesterday, uh, two teams advanced to the uh, round of 64 in the NCAA tournament. One is Pittsburgh, a one-point winner over Mississippi State, 62-59. Pittsburgh will take on Iowa State Friday. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi defeating uh, Southeastern Missouri State, 75-71. They take on Alabama tomorrow at 145. We'll have coverage getting underway at uh, 1230. A really feel-good story before we get to our next guest. Virginia running back Mike Hollins returned to the practice field yesterday, four months after he survived a shooting that took the lives of three of his teammates. The Cavaliers opened spring practice. He made a remarkable recovery after he was shot in the back in November and spent a lot of time on a ventilator. So he's back at practice, ready to go. We're ready to go with Ross Jackson. Ross with Crescent City Sports covers the NFL. Good morning, Ross. How are you today? Hey, guys. Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks so much, as always, for having me on. Hope you're doing well. I wanted to start with the Aaron Rodgers story. His wish list to the Jets uh, and an attempt by the Jets to secure Rodgers as their quarterback. Are you aware in your coverage of the NFL, do, do other guys do things like this with a wish list before they'll venture on to a new team? Uh, no, not before they venture to a team. It's not an ordinary, particularly for a quarterback, to land in a place and then say, hey, here are some guys that I really like as we go into free agency and things like that, guys that I have a relationship with, guys that I can help recruit things like that but not often do i see a, a wish list as a part of the negotiation before the transaction actually takes place and before that player ends up on that team the thing that's so strange to me and i know he added a couple of names set list like odo beckham jr and of course um you know garrett wilson is already there in new york but the thing that was so strange to me is that he spent all of this time in green bay sort of being upset with the team not investing in weapons uh, for him in Green Bay, but then when he goes to another team, he says, give me the exact same weapons that I had in Green Bay. And so that's just a little bit of a weird ask for me, but maybe the addition of a Garrett Wilson and a Brees Hall makes all the difference for him in New York. Well, maybe when you mention the word weird, doesn't that sometimes apply to Aaron Rodgers? He's kind of quirky. Yeah, it's not. he's not the, uh, the easiest to pin down, that's for sure. <laughs> So, like, when, you know, you, I, you, I had the same reaction. These are the same guys he was with with Green Bay, except for Beckham, of course. And mm-hmm. he used to complain that he didn't have enough weapons there. Of course, he, you know, I didn't see Devontae Adams' name on the list, and I guess he realizes the Jets can't take him. Do you think the Jets are just a quarterback away from being a bona fide playoff team? Um, I think that they're close, but I think the thing that makes it tough is that they also have a division to compete in, right, that has – three or two at least really good teams and so they might be a quarterback away but those other teams already have those quarterbacks right i mean josh allen and the buffalo bills are going to make it really really tough for the new york jets to ever you know win a division even with aaron Rodgers at the helm considering that the green bay packers struggled to win their division with aaron Rodgers at the helm going up against quarterbacks like jared goff justin fields and kirk cousins and then you look at the miami dolphins who have put together another big move this offseason they bring in jalen ramsey they've committed to a tongue of who was one of the best downfield quarterbacks in the nfl 
NFL last year. doesn't hurt to have the targets that he has in that area of the game, of course, and they continue to build with the genius head coach and Mike McDaniel. They're going to make it tough. And then when you have to go up against Bill Belichick, I don't know how, you know, no matter how much the Patriots struggle, I never bet against Bill Belichick. And so Aaron Rodgers versus Bill Belichick's defense, I don't really know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be in a better situation in the AFC East, especially with how weak the NFC is, in particular right now, how weak the NFC North is with a Minnesota Vikings team that was really good in 2022, but also got incredibly lucky in some in-game, close-game situations that they're not going to necessarily be able to replicate in 2023. Thinking about the Dolphins, with running backs going from team to team, they kept their two running backs in place. Uh, most art and also Wilson, whereas you had like Montgomery leaving the Bears to go mm-hmm. to the Lions. You had Penny going to the Eagles, and yet the uh, Dolphins are trying to stay with what they had. Yeah, that Mike McDaniel system slash Kyle Shanahan system is so friendly to its running backs that uh, it's tough to find a better situation anywhere else, especially when that team is also willing to um, – recommit to you as the as the Dolphins did with, with both Raheem Mostert as well as uh, Jeff Wilson there. And so both of those guys fit that you know Shanahan system incredibly well. They were both with Mike McDaniels in, um, in San Francisco before they would eventually follow him over to Miami. And so, you know, they've done a great job holding on to their pieces, holding on to their weapons, continuing to build over on the defensive side. They made the trade for Bradley Chubb last year, made the trade for Jalen Ramsey this year. Now they get the lineup um, uh, Jalen Ramsey across from uh, Noah Igbenogane as well as Xavier Howard is there. And then you've got, you know, uh, these great safeties, including Javon Holland over there, who's incredibly athletic coming out of Oregon. And then you add Vic Fangio as your defensive coordinator. Those running backs know that they will be a big part of the game plan because if that Miami defense operates as advertised, Miami's going to play with some leads, which means those running backs are going to be able to put up some numbers in 2023. Ross Jackson, Crescent City Sports. Update us on what the Saints are doing now, starting with Michael Thomas. Yeah, so they bring back Michael Thomas on a one-year deal. Uh, This is a renegotiated deal or a reworked deal in its entirety. So everything that basically existed before it gets scrapped, and then now they're into a whole new contract. This contract's a $10 million um, one-year deal that has the value up to $15 million. This is basically what we expected to happen if Michael Thomas was going to stay in New Orleans, which felt more and more likely uh, once Derek Carr arrived. Derek Carr's, you know, 50-plus, 40-plus minute press conference. Uh, You know, he continued to reference his relationship with Michael Thomas. He broke down for us Michael Thomas's role in his recruitment. He spoke about Michael Thomas every time he spoke about leadership on the team. And so it just felt more and more like Michael Thomas was actually going to be sticking around, even though at an earlier point this offseason, it felt like he was on his way to a split with the organization. So what they do here is that they renegotiate his deal, rework his deal entirely. $10 million is sort of the foundation of the deal, but incentives can boost him up to 15. That puts him around where he was expected to make originally in 2023, but saves the Saints some money in the short-term cap situation, allows them to protect themselves if there are any injuries that impede his availability in 2023, but gives him a road to be able to make the money that and earn his keep that he would earn if he's able to go out there and, and play as well as he and Derek Carr believe they can play uh, together. And so I think it's a great deal in terms of keeping Michael Thomas in New Orleans and uh, gives them a, a real opportunity here to just be one or two pieces away from uh, rounding out their offense. What about the defense of the Saints? Yeah, big mass exodus for them. They lost three guys on the defensive line, although two of the three that were lost 
people sort of, we kind of already expected they were going to lose in Shai Tuttle and uh, Marcus Davenport, uh, but losing David on Yamada was kind of a big deal for them. Uh, you know, not that that defensive interior for New Orleans performed extremely well last year, but easier to rebuild it when you have somebody that has the institutional knowledge that a, that a David on Yamada has. And so David on Yamada heads to uh, Atlanta, Shai Tuttle heads to Carolina, Marcus Davenport heads to Minnesota, and the Saints also lose a key depth piece in Caden Ellis, who now has a starting opportunity right across in Atlanta as well, um, both on Yamada and Ellis following uh, Ryan Nielsen, former co-defense coordinator of the New Orleans Saints, now defensive coordinator of Atlanta. So some big things that the Saints are going to have to reconstruct there, that interior defensive line, probably adding another edge rusher wouldn't be a bad idea for them as well. But again, I think that was going to be a part of the plan with or without Marcus Davenport. Uh, and then just shoring up the depth at the other spots, particularly linebacker and safety, are going to be big for them. So lots of stuff to watch for them to still do. I know they haven't made any other big splash moves since Derek Carr early on in free agency. They've been focused in-house first, which is usually the rhythm of the New Orleans Saints as they get into the offseason. But more than enough names out there for them to be able to go to free agency, shore up the defensive line, before they get to the draft. So would you classify this as, quote-unquote, blowing up the defense? Because this was a defense we talked about this time last year that was Super Bowl caliber. Like, we didn't know what the offense was really going to do with the quarterback situation. But one thing we knew for sure, that this was a really good defense a year ago. It was, with the exception of the run game, right? 24th in the NFL um, when it came to stopping the run. And a lot of the run, a lot of the issues were that they were giving up 1.6 yards before contact, particularly with runs uh, in the interior. And so uh, I think that this isn't necessarily blowing up the defense. you still got Marcus May, Tyrant Matthew as your safeties, Demario Davis, Pete Werner at linebacker. You still have your corners on the outside, plus a third corner that the Saints are going to have to figure out how to get those three guys on the field. In uh, Marshall Lattimore, Paulson, Debo, and Alante Taylor, Cam Jordan sticking around, Carl Granderson, who's come on here recently and actually stole starts from Marcus Davenport toward the end of the season, is still there. So I think really what it is that it's blowing up the defensive interior and blowing up the defensive line a little bit, which sort of makes sense. Ryan Nielsen's gone. You've got Todd Grantham now in the building. Joe Woods is in as your new defensive coordinator, although it's still Dennis Allen's defense. Don't get it wrong. But there is sort of you know this opportunity here to rebuild where the Saints were weakest in 2023. Or 2022, which was that defensive interior. So, uh, again, I think really at most you expected to retain one of the four guys that departed this offseason, and that was David Onyemata. Outside of that, none of these other guys are really surprises. Uh, Kate Nellis, we kind of knew. I mean, I spoke with a high-ranking Saints official uh, at the Combine who basically told me that they want to keep Kate Nellis, but, quote, it only takes one team with a lot of money to mess it all up, and that's exactly what happened. And so, um, you know, Cade Nellis gets a starting opportunity where he would have been the third linebacker in, in New Orleans. And so that contract just isn't comparable to what the Saints value that position at as a backup. But now he gets starter money in a starting role somewhere, which he absolutely deserves. So now you just get an opportunity to rebuild your defensive interior and hopefully rebuild a defensive interior that performs that uh, you know much better than it did last year where it was eighth worst in the NFL. Any NFL team you'd give an A so far for what they've done in this free agent signings? I mean, uh, you know, I, I think the Falcons have to be in that conversation. I think the, the Dolphins have to be in that conversation. And I really like what the San Francisco 49ers have done, too, and not sitting on their hands. Right, Javon Kimball, an interior defensive lineman that they invested a top 15 pick in a few years ago, has been a disappointment for them so far. So what do they do? They go out and they grab one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL in Javon Hargrave. You know, I mean, you want to talk about a, a, an exodus or having to rebuild the defense. Look at what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. They're losing 
everyone. And so I think that there's a, you know, I, I look at those three teams, the, uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons who added Jesse Bates. They go out there, they trade for John o. Smith to get Arthur, Arthur Smith, head coach, a familiar uh, piece. They signed Caden Ellis. You know, they re-familiarized Ryan Nielsen with a couple of pieces on his defense with David Onyemata and Caden Ellis. I like all of that for them. Uh, they still have to figure out their quarterback situation, and they still have to rebuild the offense, but they're finally paying attention to the defense, albeit a little bit late. And then you look at where uh, the Miami Dolphins have gone out there, and, you know, they, they bring in Jalen Ramsey. They retain those those offensive players. Like, they get a whole bunch of those guys, uh, you know, in-house guys settled in and uh, and back and ready to go. That's great. They commit to Tua Tungavailoa in, in his fifth-year option. So they've done a really good job re-solidifying where they were successful uh, and have been successful with Mike McDaniel. So uh, I like what those three teams have done. And, uh, you know, they haven't made uh, a bunch of huge moves at all. I mean, they lost a running back. But I also still really like what the Chicago Bears have done so far in terms of grading their offseason, trading down from round, from, from pick number one all the way back to, to pick nine, picking up a bunch of assets on the way, bringing in D.J. Moore. They add Tremaine Edmonds over on the defensive side. I, I think the Chicago Bears have done some really, really good things as well in a very, very open NFC North, especially if Aaron Rodgers ends up in New York. Ross, as always, man, great stuff. How can people get the latest on all things NFL? Appreciate you guys. Uh, easiest way to do that is, uh, of course, to be able to follow along with the Locked On NFL podcast, which is uh, free and available on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube uh, across you know every single Monday through Friday. New episodes there, keeping you up to date with everything. And then we've also got a bunch of new shows that are launching there as well. Locked On NFL Scouting, Locked On NFL Draft, as well as the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. So commentary, uh, scouting and team building, as well as the draft. We have you covered for all those as well. So real easy podcast listening, 30 minutes a day, each of those episodes, keeping you up to date with everything going on across the NFL. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Yep. All right. So scoreboard traffic and weather, and I need you guys' help. So there's a uh, dating scenario that went viral that includes the European bass, a slice of cheese, and ultimately the guy getting blocked by the end of the night. On social media and text, by the way. Uh, not, Not the other type of block. Well, I guess he was blocked that way, too, based on the way the story goes. We will need you guys to solve the mystery when we come back right here on sports radio 105.5 fm wnsp and wnsp.com hey this is Dabo sweeney and you're listening to wnsp 105.5 all this and there you are you're running for your life you're a shooting star and all the All right, here we go. Another chance to WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. Uh, Be the first one to call Nick at 694-1055. And you can show up to Moe's tonight downtown and receive one of the teams in the NCAA tournament. If that team wins the championship, you get a uh, flat TV from flat. How old am I? Smart TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress, plus two one-hour Wave Runner rides from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. Right here in Mobile, the only 
uh, water rental company here in the port city. Uh, it's going to be great. We'll have some con consolation prizes as well. And if you don't get qualified, fear not. There will be other open spots. So come on by, Mo's. Anyway, say hi to the folks. Say hi to everybody here at WNSP, and you will have a chance to get qualified there. Who's our latest uh, qualifier, sir? That would be Terrence. All right, Terrence. We look forward to seeing you tonight at uh, at Mo's downtown. Be there. You can get at 5. Nick's going to start taking roll there, but you got to be there by 6.30. If you're there any later than 6.30 and have not checked in. I need, uh, you, I need you there by 6.25. Excuse me, 6.25. My apologies. Names are drawn at 6.30. Wow, okay. Walk in at 6.29. Your spot's probably already been taken. All right. So try and get there by 6. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you guys out there, whether you've qualified or not. And there's still a chance, and chances are not everybody's going to show up, so get out there. Hey, Mark, real quickly, I don't know enough about the details, bankruptcy and all that, but I know we had a call or two a while back on this Valley Sports, which is Diamond. They filed for bankruptcy. Uh, over 42 teams they control the rights to. The, I think the Atlanta Hawks are Bally, the Braves are Bally, and a whole bunch of others. So baseball says with season starting in three weeks, they feel confident the games will still be televised and the teams will receive their rights fees from ba uh, from a diamond. But if they don't, that's another story. I, I don't have an answer uh, to those who've asked me about Bally Sports. My guess is that the games will still be uh, telecast, at least for the time being. Okay. I didn't realize we took a I – I must have fallen asleep there. I didn't realize we took a call there. We did a couple of weeks ago. Somebody called oh. up about Valley Sports. <laughs> Man, I don't know what I did yesterday, much less two weeks ago. It okay. was a while back. And uh, I've we been took asked a call. About, we did? Yeah. And I've been asked about that a few times, too. If uh, You know, not just the Braves, but a whole bunch of teams that get rights fees from Diamond Sports. But they do file for bankruptcy, but they say they still have a contingency fund to pay off rights fees. All right. Uh, yeah, from what I'm reading here, it says the company uh, expects that the coverage of games should not be affected by the announcement. And so, yay! They only owe, what, $8 billion, I think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so J.D. Byers is coming up here. Uh, we'll talk some Alabama, South Alabama. Uh, Chris Stewart uh, will join us to talk some basketball at 8 o'clock. Richie Riley at 8.30. And I still have this dating scenario. I'm trying to get it in, man. It went viral. 750. Oh, I can talk about it at 750? Or even after a JD. I thought also with JD, we could, you know, he's done a lot of baseball games about some wacky call out and strikes. You know, we had that incident last week. If he's seen anything like that where an umpire called a guy out for a pitch that was so far outside the strike zone. All right. Well, it sounds like we got a full segment next right here on the sports station, WNSP, and online at WNSP.com. Stay with us.
today on the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, look forward to seeing you tonight at Moe's downtown for the March Madness Matchup Challenge. Alabama baseball team off to a great start. They were actually undefeated going into the weekend. They got beat by Columbia twice, so they came to Eddie Stinky Field yesterday to take on South Alabama. J.D. Byers uh, called the game for ESPN Plus, and he's on the line with us right now. J.D., good morning. How are you today? Splendid. How are you guys? Wonderful. Doing good. How'd the game go last night? Good crowd. Uh, well over 3,000. Uh, some were late arriving, and uh, but you know, stayed a long time. The, the the nippy weather didn't turn them away, but it was just a tough night trying to get a hit one through four. Uh, not able to, um, you know, get a hit. It was just a really good outing by Alabama starter Luke Holman. But the pitching and defense for South Alabama stood toe-to-toe, I think, combined. We went Johnny Holstaff and struck out 13 Crimson Tide batters. Very, very impressed with that side of the baseball team. I bet as uh, – well, I can only go on my experience. So, what, every inning you had to change pitchers? <laughs> Did you run out of room? Oh, yeah, on the, on the, in the scorebook, yeah, definitely. Scorebook. Uh, gosh, I think we used – I think we used eight – uh, and, and I don't think anybody, you know, pitched more than one and a third. But uh, the 13 combined strikeouts didn't give them a whole lot of walks. Uh, that didn't factor in. It was just a 4 nothing game. I thought South Alabama did a good job standing toe-to-toe with an Alabama team that's just been really good. But And, and to put it in context, uh, Alabama raced out 14-0 and to begin the season. Uh, had two hookups against a really good Columbia Ivy League team last week. But roared right back. The average margin of victory in what is – their prior 15 wins was 11 to three. They had seven guys batting over 300, four batting over 400. I think it was six slugging 600 or better. Uh, but South Alabama, really good job holding them to four runs. Just uh, the offense wasn't there last night. Any scoring opportunities for the Jags at all? You know, it didn't leave a ton on base, but there were a couple of opportunities, uh, leaving some guys in scoring position. It looked like the seven things were going to happen. Uh, you had Cole Ketzer get on by error. I thought that was ruled a hit initially. Uh, and, and then two batters later, you get Joseph Sullivan on. So we had two on, one out. But uh, Luke Holman, still in the game at that point, was able to strike out the last two batters. That, that guy went way over uh, his first two starts and tossed seven scoreless last night. That's how good he was. He struck out nine, did not allow a walk. And that may have been the best scoring opportunity. We had two on in the second inning and kind of felt like South Alabama may take the first lead of the game, um, but it was in that situation where you had runners first and second two outs, and the next guy, uh, I think, grounds out in that inning. J.D., bring us up to date now on this Jag baseball season. Where do they go from here, and what's it going to take to get this team rebounding and get on a winning streak? You know, and, and this isn't me. I'm trying to be as objective as possible because I see mostly the home games, but they're so close. Um and you've got about 70% of new faces at any time uh, you come watch South Alabama this year. A lot of these guys weren't even part of the program uh, last last year. And, and somebody will, will have to step up and take the lead to add to the veterans like Eric Orbeda and Will Turner. And you, you're seeing some of that from Colson Lawrence, but offensively the run support's got to be there. I'm not at all uh, worried about the pitching and defense, but it, it's just in certain facets of the game, and I think Mark Calvey's even publicly said this to the media. It's a really close uh, situation. But that last 10 or 15% in anything athletically, sometimes it's the hardest to come by. Taking care of the little things leading up to that point, you know, that's easy. You know, mining your 
P's and Q's and dotting your I's, crossing your T's. But I think the Jags are really that close. And baseball's a weird game because you've seen more of it, Lee, than any of us. You get playing hot at the right time. And if they could turn it around going into conference play this weekend, there's still a lot of baseball to be played and anything can happen. Speaking of anything can happen, J.D., I'm curious to, for you to rack your brain and go back through all the games you have called. And have you ever reacted to a pitch like the UNO uh, Mississippi Valley <laughs> State game? I know you saw it because it's, that's got to be in your wheelhouse, man. Uh, as, as crazy as the, the hitter's response was, I thought the guys with the commentary were even better. Um, which pitch was it? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we'll go with the second called ball, but then the or the second called strike, but then the third called strike on Friday night. Uh, oh, that, yeah. that was in the batter's box, the opposite batter's box, I might add. Oh yeah, yeah. And you get the center field camera look from it too, and everybody's kind of okay. Let's go on and see the next one. Uh, and I, those things happen. You get a few of those a year, but. Um, any angle you could even look at it from a first or third base angle and know uh, the, the real call on that one. And you know how it is, in, it, you get a lot of the same officials when you're regionally getting these non conference games, especially they don't rotate like you think. And sometimes those still surprise you. And uh, I don't know, I guess all you can do is just live on and play another inning. Were you surprised at all? I, I don't know how much of the video, I'm assuming you saw it that the batter, when he jumped out and jumped up and down and got really upset with the second strike, wasn't tossed? Uh, yes. Unless the, unless the umpire at the moment thought, you know, I think I just scooped that one. But uh, the, I was looking also to see who comes out of the dugout. But, you know, of course, the, the rules changed a couple of years ago. Um, contesting balls and strikes or having a, 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 a meeting with the umpire, you got to you know, I think ask permission now, and you, you, you can't come out onto the field to play. But uh, in the heat of the moment, I could see that guy's point. Uh, the argument was there. I guess I was a little surprised it didn't get tossed, or at least a warning. But then to come back and call a pitch that was so far outside, I mean, and then the guy, the umpire got suspended, <laughs> as you know. So obviously there was something going on there. Yeah, and then to add context to the question that Mark asked, because it was a good point to take you inside, is, you know, I'm on a headset because it's the, I'm on the TV side of that, is, uh, gosh, I don't mean to bring this guy into a weird situation, but, you know, you know Pat Greenwood sitting in there as, as director, and, and they were in my ear, and they're looking at it on a much smaller screen, and you could hear the whole truck go, what? <laughs> <laughs> they looked at it on replay. We took it from the center field camera, and we are just kind of stunned. And you don't want to add to it and indict a, ref or a referee in basketball or an umpire in baseball, but you, you kind of just point it out and then move on. But I think everybody was fooled by that one or something. Never a dull moment, man. We appreciate you coming aboard early this morning, and uh, hopefully things warm up, man. The temperature, that's not exactly baseball weather out there. No, I, I was proud. Almost 4,000 toughed it out last night. Hey, the, the thing that I learned about you guys yesterday listening, I'm also I arrested development. I heard you guys talking about that. I'm like, hey, I love that series. Uh, got, got all, man, it's a lot of episodes, though, but I got to see it all on Netflix, Netflix during COVID. You see, there are some benefits to a nationwide pandemic, right? Absolutely. <laughs> hey. Not many. Uh, be good, man. Thanks for everything. And uh, tell Pat we said hey. Thanks, guys. Uh, that is J.D. Byers, ladies and gentlemen.
Uh, all right, so we got a couple minutes, Lee. I need your uh, your your reaction to the story. I've been I've been holding on to, and I'm sure you and Nick will have similar reactions to it because you guys are so much alike. All right, so this dating scenario went viral. This woman went on TikTok. All right, she had a date, right? They went to order food. She ordered uh, this European sea bass. Okay, wow, that's pretty. He ordered, he ordered a burger. The waitress asked, do you want cheese on that? On, he, on the burger? On or the burger. Not the sea bass. Not the sea bass. Okay. He said, is it extra? And she said, yes, it's $3 extra. He said, no, I'll just have the burger. So they ate their meal. She was appalled. She wound up getting up to say she was using the restroom. She actually went to the waitress, paid for the bill, and then left and then ghosted him for not paying the $3 extra for for the cheese on the burger. Because her thought was they're on a date if he's not willing to splurge at that point or, or pay the extra $3. Because after the waitress left, he said, oh, my God, you have to pay for extra for you have to pay extra for everything these days. And she was like, yeah, it's New York City. Uh, so they ate their food. She left to go to the bathroom, paid for the meal, and just left. She te- she texted him and said, the check is taken care of. You should have gotten the cheese. And then she blocked him. Wow. That's tough. Yeah. Seriously. Um, if he – I don't know what the arrangement was. I'm assume, I can only assume if he was going to pay for the check, that's his option. I've asked many – I'll tell you, I went to a um, – a restaurant a while back, got it in the name, and I I ordered some just some extra sauce. I didn't know it. They charged me for it. Had I known, I wouldn't have asked for it because I didn't need it that much. You know what I mean? I mean, I just thought it came with the meal. It did not. As you said, they're charging extra for things these days. I don't think it hurts to ask. Now, I'm not a cheese eater, so I wouldn't have wanted the cheese. But, but you're, if- you're on a date. If with, he's paying, I find that um, my guessing is if you're on a date with this woman that you find her at least mildly attractive. Well, this was you, a blo- was this a blind date though, right? Or was this something that uh, they met over social media or something? When you say, I don't know, I All don't know I'm how they. Is, you're well, if you're date. asking me if he's picking up the check, that's his option. I'd, I'd kind of, in a sense, side with him. If he's paying for it all, and and I got to tell you something, sea bass is pretty expensive. Yeah. I've seen it. I've uh, almost ordered sea bass in a restaurant, but boy, that's it. Then you saw the price. Yes, exactly. I'll just have the side sauce. I'll just go with the salmon. What do you got, Nick? That's kind of a bad look, though, Lee. You know, you're taking a lady out. You know, you're saying get whatever you want. I just want a burger. Oh, $3 for cheese? No thanks. Like that being your reasoning that you're not getting the cheese, that could be a red flag to a woman, right? I guess. I... I, I look at it, look, I've, it's been so long since I've, you know, been on that situation. But, no, I, I ask. I ask about uh, extras, and I don't have a problem with him asking for that. And if he didn't want it, you know, paying $3 for a piece of cheese, I don't have a problem with that. All right, we're getting some dating advice here on WNSP. Okay, go ahead, caller. What do you have? Yeah, uh, yeah. I just wanted to weigh in on that conversation. I, I think she uh, way overreacted, way too quick. I mean, you're on a 
you're on a first date with someone, you know, uh, everyone's nervous. You know, I just think that uh, she should have she overlooked that and, uh, you know, waited, waited down the road in the date to see how things went further. Thank you. Yeah, she might have jumped the gun there. Now, I got to thank you for the call. I got a couple of issues here. One, in what world is cheese $3 a slice? That's a very good point. All right. Now, with that said, but this I'm York. on a date with a woman that I wanted to be on a date with. I'm, I'm not even asking how much anything costs. I know that when I go out to a restaurant, I have a general idea of what everything costs at said restaurant. So I'm prepared to pay whatever it's going to take uh, to eat at that restaurant. Now, she didn't seem too shy. The ball is ticked, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you work. All right, there you go. Get in there. WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. It's tonight at Moe's. Get registered for a shot to win that smart TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and the two one-hour wave runner rods from Gulf Coast Water Rentals right here in Mobile. All right, let's uh, – we have uh, Roy ready to go. Roy Hudson from uh, Community Bank. Yes. Good, because I have an issue to bring up. Roy, I want to welcome you to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, doing well. How are y'all this morning? We normally talk about uh, the great things going on at Community Bank, as I'm sure they are. Uh, It's a bank unlike another. But I do want to bring up something, you know, on what's been going on around the country, especially in California with the Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, collapsing. I believe there was another bank. And I just think from an overview, somebody who's in the banking industry, is this just an isolated incident or is this something that people should be concerned about? No, it's uh, it's an isolated in, uh, incident. The regulators have come out and said they're confident that it was a unique event and there's no indication that there's any systematic issues out there. Typically, there's no place safer than your uh, and your local federally insured bank like Community Bank and all the other banks around here. So uh, one thing to keep in mind also, you know, it's been uh, the first bank closure probably in three years, and it's just getting a lot of publicity right now. But if you think about it, what's happened in the last three years, you've had a pandemic and hyperinflation. So overall, the banking industry is very strong. It's just a unique uh, unique isolated incident. So no great cause of concern. And, of course, it's in California. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, that's far it's enough. It's a unique situation in how they were doing things. So there's a lot. Uh, it's a perfect storm, if you will. So not not normal banking. How can our listeners uh, reach out to you, Roy, or anybody with Community Bank? Yeah, you know we have our four locations and working on our fifth as we talk about. But they can come into one of those locations and talk to one of our experienced bankers, or they can give us a call at three three eight seven seven zero seven. Appreciate you joining us. Good luck to Auburn uh, tomorrow. We'll check in with you next week. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Someone says you track the woman down and you throw the piece of cheese on her face. What do you think, Lee? No. No? That can get you a uh, an assault charge. Well, then we have David Green on. After we get Roy to finance the slice of cheese because it's three, do- three bucks a slice, we get David Green on and we uh, 
We yeah, that, that could wind up backfiring against you, oh. especially if she goes on social media and says, "Don't date this guy because." Do you do you guys let prices dictate what you eat regularly? Like, if you go to Chipotle and you want the guacamole, are you like, ah, oh, two fifty? It depends no. on my mood. To I be perfectly you. honest with you, um, if if I'm in a good like if I'm like if I'm flying high about something, get whatever you want. Let's go. Yeah, but generally, I mean, if I want an extra, I'll get an extra. Now, at some point, I gotta. I mean, I ain't, I ain't getting dessert everywhere I go. Do you? I mean, are you? Are you looking when you look at the menu? Yeah. I always said to myself, I want to get to the point where I walk into any establishment and order without looking at the prices. I've yet to get to that point. I'm yeah. I, I look at the price and then I I. I assess my range that I'm comfortable in, and then I find food items that fit in my right. In and my then budget. you're like, "Do I really want to pay the extra four dollars or six dollars for this when I could get this?" Right. And see, I, I gauge it off enjoyment. Like, does this extra two dollars is that going to be worth? Is that going to increase the enjoyment level of this meal by a two dollar value? If it doesn't, then I'm not getting it. But if it does, then I will. So if you're, let's say, like Buffalo Wild Wings, do you get the boneless wings that aren't boneless? Or do you get the real deal? Uh, I- I'm normally going with the bone. I can see that about you. <laughs> Chris Stewart is next right here on the Sports Station WNSV. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 804 number three on what has been a very animated and sometimes humorous edition of the opening kickoff. Thanks for making us part of your morning. I'm Mark. That's Lee. We're in the studios of WNSP. Yesterday, uh, Alabama found out its first opponent Thursday, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, as they defeated uh, Southeast Missouri State. So the Islanders will take on the Crimson Tide at 145 in Birmingham. And our coverage will begin at 1230 with the voice of the Crimson Tide, Chris Stewart, who is on the line with us right now. Chris, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Guys, I'm great. I hope y'all are doing well. We are. With expectations so high and national media people picking Alabama to win, I wanted to get your feeling. This is not your first rodeo, not your first NCAA, but do you go in with a different attitude, a different feeling about this Alabama team? Uh, It's easily the most excited I've ever been about a tournament. Uh, There are a lot of reasons. I've already talked about it and won't, won't waste any more time, but from a personal sentimental standpoint it being in Birmingham it's special for me the fact that Alabama uh, is number one or a number one seed for the first time ever but the number one national seed and that this team has fulfilled expectations that many of us had to be in this position uh, there, there were many of us that thought this was possible frankly and, and maybe even exceeded it to a degree but um 
it's not shocking to see Alabama be in the conversation, but it's great to see, and, and it's fun. It, it really is. It's it's very enjoyable to see this program and understanding two things really. Number one, it is historic. There's no question about that from an Alabama basketball perspective. They've never been in this position before. But also the understanding, belief, and realization of where this program is, that while it's not plug-and-play and you don't think it's automatically going to happen next year, the framework is there for this to continue to be one of the elite programs in the nation beyond this year, regardless of what transpires tomorrow or over the next month. Nate Oates is in three NCAA tournaments in three consecutive years, two titles, two tournament crowns for the second time in three years. And while you're going to lose at least one of the best players in the nation off of this roster without question at the end of the season, you're going to have a lot of talent back and you've signed some great talent that's going to put you in position to be tremendous once again next year. So it's a, it's a wonderful time to be an Alabama basketball fan. And while I am the announcer, and that's my primary role, I was a fan long before I was a broadcaster. So it's really special. I want you to talk about the insertion of Quinnally into the starting lineup and what difference that made or what impact that made. You know, the biggest part of that, I think, is the fact that it was Jaden Bradley's idea. You know, and it goes to the unselfishness of this team. Uh, at the start of the year, uh, JQ couldn't go. And, and in the past, he's been a guy who said, Coach, I like coming off the bench. Uh, but this year, with the even though he came back so much sooner than anybody anticipated, he still needed a little time to, to get to where he could play. And Jaden did a fantastic job once, I believe it was Namari that got hurt, that kind of forced a a change and that's what put him in the lineup and and that may be another example and it is another example of why this team's in the spot that it is it's not one guy who can fill a role it you've got options of how you want to play in different looks so when Namari Burnett went down with an injury I think that's when Jaden Bradley went in and now with Jaden Bradley uh, you know not being as experienced and struggling a little bit in starts in Alabama, having about a two- to three-week stretch where they were not as good out of the gate, Jaden goes, hey, coach, play JQ. He's the spark off the bench. Let's get him from the start. And both have handled those roles extremely well. And it's a major reason why this team played as well as they did in Nashville and why they're in the position they're in as the favorite going into this tournament. I don't know how much contact you have with the players, if, if you get to talk to them at all, but if you do, can you kind of give a, a reason or two as to how Nate Oates has kept this team focused from game to game to game and to go into the SEC tournament and do what they did against those three teams they beat? Yeah, I, I, it's a very close group. I, and, I'll, and I'll go before that. I understand the narrative. I understand the tragedy that took place. That being said, this is a, a really good collection of young men and great kids to be around. They enjoy being around each other. And frankly, I think they've, they've had to somewhat circle the wagons with the spotlight that's been on them. The overwhelming majority of whom had zero to do with any of this. Okay? So they have 
managed all of that well internally in their locker room. And then when the situation has required them to be together more and to be even tighter and closer, that's not a problem for them because they do enjoy each other's company. They are uh, as close. And that's that's an amazing thing, too. Take, and I say this, I hope you understand where I'm going with it. If you even extract the tragedy from this, it's amazing that they have bonded as well as they have because there are so many new faces on the roster. Coming into the year, I think there were fewer than five that had played together before So uh, of the scholarship kids. So to have as many new pieces in and blend strict, I'm really talking from a basketball standpoint. I don't care how talented you are, to have that many new pieces to bond like they have and to succeed at the level they have is a fantastic accomplishment and I think speaks to the level of not only their talent, but their unselfishness as well. Uh, speaking of selfishness, uh, I couldn't help but notice on your uh, – you tweeted last night you were going oh, yeah. for a very specific oh, yeah. team in that playing game. Will you please explain why you were being so selfish in that way? Well, two things. <laughs> you know, if you're saying Southeast Missouri State <laughs> University or Texas A&M Corpus Christi, it's about the same. Right. Okay? Right. Um, but if you're saying SEMO, yeah. which they go by, yeah. or Texas A&M Corpus Christi, especially at the pace at which we play, it's a whole <laughs> lot easier to say SEMO. <laughs> and then I glanced, and, and I'm, you know, I'm like anybody else. Flashcards help me. Right. So names on the back of jerseys yeah. help a lot. And the Islanders just have... Islanders yeah. on the backs of their jerseys. They don't even have their names. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm sitting there with with Islanders in the nickname on the back of all their their jerseys. So it's an easy pull for me. They're basically they're both 16 seeds. It's not like you know one's dramatically ahead of the other. And I was going for the one that's easiest to say. I have no clue <laughs> who the coaches wanted if if they had a preference, but. I was going for easier to uh, spit out during a fast break. So that that was my choice, and I didn't get it, which is why I don't pick brackets yeah. and, and why I don't spend money at casinos and, and all the other stuff. Did you watch the game in its entirety to take notes? Uh, as best I could. I was at dinner with the family. I did see it at the start. I got interrupted a couple of times when you're watching it at a jam-packed restaurant. It's kind of tough with – Autograph uh, seekers, you know, everybody wants to. Well, people standing, you know, and but I did get the chance. Look, they can get up and down the floor. The pace is is very good. They'll come in, you know. It's a case where they're playing with house money. They've they've won. They got in. They won a game. They're getting to play the number one seed. It'll be, you know, uh, CBS with Jim Nance doing the play by play. This is this is just fun for them. They're going out with with absolutely no pressure on them whatsoever, and and they'll probably play very well. And Alabama uh, probably does not have to play its best to win the game, but it can't play its worst 
and these guys want to get off to a good start. They want to play well and, and have some momentum and confidence going into the, the second round, regardless of whether it's West Virginia um, or it's Maryland. So I think Alabama will play very well, but uh, you know, Texas A&M Corpus Christi <laughs> or the Islanders that I'll refer to them as the majority of the day after first reference will be, uh, will be, I'm sure a, especially early on, a very quality opponent. You know, back in the 70s when I did an NCAA, it was in Philadelphia. So I guess like you, I would just leave home, drive down, and drive back, which is so unusual. You know, in the NCAA tournament, yeah. they're usually flying you all around. So how do you feel about that? I mean, you'll be, I'm assuming, just going from it. your house. Yeah, just going from your house yeah, back so and tired. forth. Uh, yeah, I'm so tired of seeing luggage. I got a, depending on traffic, I've got about a 14-minute drive or so from it used to be less than that. I've moved to a little different spot in Hoover. It's a little closer to Tuscaloosa, but I am I am no more than 17 minutes, uh, barring an issue on the interstate from the BJCC. So I'm excited about that being at being at home and again having a, a chance to. Um, my father died two years ago, and I've told this, but Dad used to be in charge of a big group of ushers at the Civic Center, and I went with him there as a little boy and. To walk back into that building again where I spent a lot of my childhood and a lot of time with him, that'll be very special. So you don't fill out a bracket at all? You know, I may. I haven't. Uh, I may do that tonight when the, the others are over with. My family does it, and it's really cool to know that you we're all picking Alabama, not just because it's where our heart is, but it, it's where our heads tell us the favorite will be. So that part of it is nice, and that's probably going to make it a lot easier for me to fill out because everybody says, you know, 8, 9, 12, 12, 5 are the, the toughest matchups, and I disagree. Heart versus head to me is always the toughest matchup when you're filling out a bracket. But um, I, I will probably do that. It'll be fun. And another thing is, you know, you mentioned – SEMO and, and Corpus Christi is kind of kind of unique. Is more than twenty. I guess this is my twenty first season with Alabama, but I did Birmingham Southern for eight years before that. And at the end of my tenure with BSC, we were provisional NCAA Division One members, and we played Texas A and M Corpus Christi. I talked about it on your show the other day, um, we with you guys. But when you had Ronnie Arrow in. I did Birmingham Southern versus Corpus Christi when he was coaching one of his first seasons down there. I think it was 99 or 2000 that I did a game in that building. And then um, either that same year or the next year, I did one in Cape Girardeau with BSC at Southeast Missouri as well. So I'm not totally unfamiliar with, with the Red Hawks or the Islanders, but uh, just fun. Just glad to be playing this time of year and, and meaningful games. And it doesn't get any more meaningful than being the top seed in your home state and your hometown. Well, Chris, we uh, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy the commute to the uh, to this to the arena, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it, and hopefully, uh, talking about things to do in Louisville. Absolutely. You're gonna to have to bring some luggage, unfortunately, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get that, to it. I don't mind. Look, I don't mind. I'm just excited that if it's an option, I get a week off from dealing with it. But I definitely hope <laughs> I'm busting it back out because if I don't, I'll be doing it for baseball. 
Very so good. We'll, we'll go from there. All right. See how many times, how fast you can say Texas A&M Corpus Christi three times fast. A&M Corpus Christi, A&M Corpus Christi, Islanders. There you go. Well done, sir. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Thank Enjoy you. the game. Enjoyed it. Yeah, buddy. That's uh, that's Chris Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, traffic and weather here. Probably, probably traffic and weather here. Uh, and then uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. And then Richie Riley. I have no doubt Richie will be the uh, ultimate um, expert on our little dating scenario that we laid out for you. He will have the answer to all those issues. I just feel like he probably been around. Probably real popular growing up. Get away with them. I can almost guarantee it. Stay you. Stay with us. Plenty left. Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. The NBA I play in now is not the NBA that I came into, and I expect it to evolve. Everything is is constantly changing, but like. I feel like I play for the love of the game. Like I want to, I want the competition. I want to know what it feels like to win. I want to see my teammates. You know, eight twenty-three. Welcome back in. That's Damian Lillard, I be- believe. Correct. Uh, it goes to something we were talking about earlier today. He came out and was speaking against this whole uh, culture that has kind of consumed the NBA. This ring culture. Um, and he's being mostly applauded for it. At the end of the day, though, I don't think he'll be remembered the way he should be remembered, uh, which is kind of doing it the right way, being very successful. And that's kind of his point, I think, or one of his many points. Yeah, I think that's how it is with a lot of NBA players. I mean, if Charles Barkley, as great as he was in the 90s, if he wasn't on TNT every other night, I don't think people would really remember him either, you know? Um, I think he would, well, I think he would be remembered more as a um, bad boy of basketball, fair or not. Um, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you know, in the way we remember some of these greats, maybe there's like 10 like just really memorable names throughout the NBA span. Um, But, you know, in the interview, I I listened to the whole thing. Damian Lillard, he basically said when he retires, he knows no one will talk about him again. Yeah. Except when it comes to, like, who has the most 50-point games, 60-point games. But And he said that's that's a bad thing necessarily. No, but he also said that, alluded to that's one of the problems. Right. See, uh, you're part of the problem. No, I'm not. You part accused of the us of being part of the problem, but no, you just no, admitted no. that's the not LeBron a bad thing, haters. and that's exactly. No, 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 no. The problem. I, I saw a tweet that worded it all perfectly. No one really cared about ring culture as much as we do until we all were trying to put down LeBron's accomplishments. Once LeBron got on that top level of, oh, this is one of the top five NBA players of all time. All the haters started coming out. Saying, oh, but he don't have rings like Jordan, like Kobe, like Russell. And then that 
I mean, look, we all remember the jokes, right? Hey, you know, I, I want I put my phone on LeBron mode at the movie theater so it don't ring. Yeah, there's no ring or whatever. But you see, that's 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 inaccurate because Elvis dispelled that earlier. We were having the same conversations about Jordan. Right? Oh, he's the best player in the league. He's scoring all these points. He's fantastic. Look how high he jumps. He hadn't won any rings. And then it was, but he couldn't he couldn't win early. So we were having those same conversations. You right, just weren't they're, around they're, for it. They're amplified now. Well, because you're here and you remember them and you're an NBA fan, but they were no, still. No, they're being amplified had. now because of the way that more people watch basketball than ever before. More people have the internet and can say stupid things than ever before, and there's more of a platform to see stupid people. Right, but that doesn't mean that those same conversations weren't being had. See, we were having these conversations. I don't want to say people like you, but people Just like you. Have no perspective because now I'm sounding like Lee because you weren't around. Like we were having conversations about rings with with Dan Marino and John Elway until he won his back to backs. Like we were talking about that there was always a ring culture. I think the issue now is that players have a better avenue in which in, in order to obtain rings. I'm not saying it's easier. I'm saying now that there's more power. There's more. Uh, they have more say in. Um, and ending up where they're go, where they're going, sure. and and who they're going with. Right. I mean, yeah, that's obvious, the issue. Obviously, these conversations were had before, you know, my own consciousness. Obviously, but <laughs> the evolution of it, it gets more intense, more over exaggerated every year. I mean, like just look at the game. Look how it's played. It's evolving. The way that we view basketball as a media is evolving. Um, I, I so by yeah, the I way, bl- I blame you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually you, agree. I blame you for for planting the seed, and then I blame society for watering it. Yeah. All right. So obviously, we're dealing with some issues. You guys might be dealing with some other issues. If you're over sixty-five, you're within a year of retiring. You have some questions. Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors is who you have to talk to. Aiden does not sell insurance. What he does do is help you navigate those rough waters when it comes to figuring out what you need and what is the best coverage for you. He had a client call, said he didn't really need to add Medicare because of his VA benefits. As it turns out, he was right, but that's not always the case. So you need somebody that's local, knowledgeable, and has a physical location. Go check out Aiden Marks at his office on Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. There's never a fee for his service. Or just give him a call, 463-0031. That's 463-0031. Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. Richie Riley is next right here on the sports station, WNSP. Welcome back in the opening kickoff here on a Wednesday edition. Mark and Lee 
from the studios of WNSP. A reminder, come out and join us at Moe's Barbecue downtown tonight for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. Whether you're qualified or not, uh, there'll be an opportunity for you to get qualified if you're not. But either way, come hang with us, and uh, it should be a good time. Before we get to our next guest, the head basketball coach at the University of South Alabama, uh, Richie uh, Riley, do want to congratulate LeBaron Filan. Uh, he has been named the Gatorade Alabama Player of the Year. That'll be the third straight year we've had a basketball player from this area to get that prestigious award, what with uh, Barry Dunning winning it twice. And as you know, Filan still has another year to go. He is uh, committed to Auburn, won over 1,000 points. So that uh, trophy or whatever they get, uh, stays right here in Mobile. The head coach of the Jags is Richie Riley. He's on the line with us right now. Coach, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Always always fun to be on with you. Yeah, it's going to be great today. Okay, let me ask you first of all, uh, Dan Patrick yesterday was interviewing Jim Beheim, and the issue of coaches filling out a bracket came up. And, of course, Jim's no longer a head coach, but he's still employed by the university. Are you allowed to fill out a bracket even in fun, not so much from gambling purposes, but just to fill out a bracket at home without having any repercussions? Yeah, I can do that. We always do it at home. Um, me and Jess and Reese and Rock, we all fill out a bracket. There's no Obviously, there's no money involved or, or any prizes, and uh, we just see who wins there at the house. Uh, as a coach, you're not allowed to fill out a bracket with money involved or enter a pool like a lot of people do across the country right now. But I, I can fill one out at home, and, and we've done that, and we're going to – we're going to have a little bragging rights on the line to see who wins. Who do you have in your final four? Let's start out with the South, the Alabama bracket. Bama. All right. In the East, that's the Purdue bracket. Purdue. In the Midwest, that's the Houston bracket. Yeah, you killed me because I, I love Houston, but I, I went with Texas. And in the West bracket, that's where Kansas is the number one seed. I went with Gonzaga. Okay, let me ask you this, because uh, this is a question that's been raised a lot. This being a football state and having Auburn and Alabama play in Birmingham tomorrow, first round of the NCAA, or as they say, you've already had the play-in round. How do you, from a standpoint of a coach in this state, I'd like you to address that. It's huge for a state. Um, the job, the job that coaches are doing in our state right now, from a basketball standpoint, is, has elevated the interest and. In, you know, just just the level to where I don't know it's ever been this high. I mean, maybe it has back before I was born, but since I've been coaching, um, it's not even close. I mean, the, the level of basketball in our state right now, and, it, you know, it starts at Auburn, it starts at Alabama with what Nate's doing, with what BP's doing. Um, BP went to a Final Four a few years ago. Alabama's the number one overall seed this year. Both those teams are going to be in the tournament for the foreseeable future, I would imagine, unless something crazy happened one year. I mean, they're going to be there every year. But but then you got the rest of the state, too. You know, we just played for a Sun Belt Championship. Um, Samford was a number one seed in the, in the um, SOCON. UAB has played for a championship. Um, they're in NIT right now. I mean, it's... Jacksonville State's been to the NCAA tournament last year. North Alabama keeps getting better and better. I mean, our state is 
is really doing some special things from a basketball standpoint. And I love that. I'm from Kentucky, which is which is the the mecca of hoops, you know, and I grew up that way. So to see see the excitement around basketball and the growth is really cool. You played Alabama this year. You're one of the first opponents they had. And you mentioned you have them in your final four. Who do you have winning this? I've got Bama. What I, um, I think, I, I just think that they're, you know, I've actually played them and I've, I've watched them a lot. Uh, I, I do think there's 10 or 12 teams that I wouldn't be surprised to see them cut the nets down on, on that Monday night. But, you know, the dynamic of their teams, they've got the best player in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then they have a great supporting cast. I've talked about that before on here. They they just have their piece together really well. They're defending at a high level. And I think they can really score. So I, I like them. And they've owned the big moments. You know, the big games that they played this year, they played well. So I, I think – and I also like their draw, too. I think they have a, a very good draw. Um, obviously, getting past Arizona in the Elite Eight will be tough if both of them hold, hold serve and they get to where – they anticipated too. That will be a tough one, but you know I, I like their draw. I like their team. But I think they I think they got just as good chances as anybody. Coaches usually, when you play somebody, you get a pretty good idea of how the team is. When you played Alabama early in the season, did you have any inkling that this was a Final Four team, or at least a team that could go on and maybe win it all? Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. I said that about Auburn a few years ago when they went to the Final Four, and. Alabama just has elite size across the board, and you don't really understand. You watch them on TV and, you know, whatever, but when you play against them and you're out there, their size is kind of overwhelming, you know, because they got size and they got motor. Those guys play with an incredible motor, Betty Ico and Clowney and obviously Miller. and They, they have a lot of length. They can really shoot to three. Um, they've got multiple playmakers and capable ball handlers, and again, they got they got a nuclear weapon, man. You know, when you got Brandon Miller, I mean, he's he's capable of going for forty any given night, thirty plus forty. And when you got a guy like that that can get his within the flow of what you're doing, and he's efficient, it's. You know, that's they got the perfect recipe to have a chance to win the whole thing, and I, and I felt that when we played up here, they beat us ten here, and um, we held them. You know, we kind of slowed the game down and held them to their lowest point total outside of Tennessee when they got beat at Tennessee this year. Um, thankfully, because they can score a hundred quick, and luckily we were able to slow them down a little bit. But yeah, they're, they're legit. They're they're really good. Richie Riley, our guest here on WNSP. All right, um, let me ask you this. So the tournament starts. Are you cheering for Louisiana? Because part of you got to believe if they win, you're like, man, that that could very easily be us. Or are you cheering yeah. against them? Yeah, I'm always I'm always for people who come out of our league because it's so hard to get out of our league. It's the toughest one big league in the country. And uh, might be the toughest one this week all time. Fourteen teams. You look what the net finished for for our teams, and you look at the records. I mean, it's so. I always cheer for our league. I want I want our league to advance. And I think Tennessee is obviously really good, 
they lost Ziegler for the year, which was terrible. I mean, it seems like an unbelievable kid. He's a heart and soul of their team. Um, and he hadn't really been the same since then. And it makes it tough when you lose a guy like that. So I think I think Louisiana can be right there. I mean, they got a guy, Jordan Brown, up front and can play with anybody in the country. Um, their guards are playing with a lot of confidence right now. And their athleticism gives them a chance to be able to defend and rebound against Tennessee. So I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I mean, it's one of those games that I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to win. Richie had quite a run. Uh, we all watch with excitement as you battle Louisiana right down to the wire. I'm curious, though, what with COVID and guys sticking around five, six years, what do you have coming back next year? And what where does Isaiah Moore, does he still play for you? Or does he go on and play professional ball or just what? Well, thank you. It was a, good, it was a really good run. My uh, guys took us on a on a magical run that's and they deserved it we, we had a special group of guys just incredible people that fought through a ton of adversity and and you know if we would have made a few more free throws we you know might have might have had a different outcome and you know was, i'm so proud of them it was i had a lot of fun coaching them. as far as they he, he's out of eligibility he'll go and i think he's gonna make a lot of money i mean he maximized his opportunity here had had one of the best years of, you know, probably top 10 years of anybody in college basketball from a statistical standpoint. And then coming up from a division two and doing what he did. Um, we lose him. We lose Kevin Samuel, who's the defensive player of the year. We lose Owen White, who had a great tournament um, and a great year for us. And then we lose Greg Perrin. We, we got two starters back, Turbo Jones and Drew Brown, who both really came on this year. Uh, and I think, I think both those guys moving forward are going to be good players. Jamal Franklin's back. We had a really good freshman year. I think he takes a big step next year. And Marshall Carey. So those four guys were really solidly in our rotation. And then um, we're, we're just like all the other teams in the country. We're in the portal now. We signed three freshmen who were outstanding this year. Um, John Broom won a, another state championship. He's MVP here in our state. Um first-team All-State guy, Ethan Kaiser, first-team All-State guy. He won a state championship last weekend um, up in Illinois in the toughest classification. They beat Simeon in the finals where where um, Derrick Rose played Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker's actually at the game, and they beat him. And um, and then Smurf Millender had a, had a great year. They won a national prep school championship um, down that way. So we're really excited about those guys and they're excited about what we can get out of the portal. All right, Richie, I need you to take off your basketball hat. I know you're a guy of uh, many talents, so we had a huge debate earlier today. I need your input. Okay? I'm ready. All right, so ready. this woman went viral because she went on a date in New York City she ordered a European bass. Her date ordered a burger. He, uh, the waitress asked if he wanted cheese on the burger. He said, how much is it? She said, the waitress said it was $3 a slice. She, he said, no. Just give me the burger. And then he makes the comment to his date that, man, you got to pay extra for everything these days. So they wind up having the meal. After the meal was over... Woman goes to the says she's going to the restroom. Goes to the waitress, pays the meal for the meal, then texts them that she's leaving. Uh, it's not going to work out, and blocks him because she feels 
that not getting the $3 slice of cheese uh, was the deal breaker. What, what's your initial reaction there? There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> and she she's the one that posted it, right? Yes. Yeah, number one, that I'm sick of people posting everything. I mean, I think it's just it, it's ridiculous. Like the stuff that people post on here, I see it all that. It's entertainment, but it's just it, it's just ridiculous. I I don't know how much the her meal cost, but I feel like if it's going to be a pretty big bill anyway. I'd have probably, if I win the cheese, I went ahead and got three more dollars. I don't know what three. If you could afford to pay for her meal and your meal, yeah, then three more dollars would be all right. But we do, man. We live in a we live in a culture of the ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's As our shot clock is winding down here on another show, you have this one last opportunity, at least here on the opening kickoff, to get qualified for tonight's WNSP March Madness Challenge. Make sure you come join us at Moe's downtown. Uh, we're qualifying 58 people, but eight spots, at least eight spots, will be available to register when you get down there. Uh, you get a team, that team wins, you win. A uh, smart TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and... Two one-hour wave runner rides from Gulf Coast Water Rentals right here in Mobile. Kind of a, a story that's making the social uh, message rounds. Uh, the, the really good tight end, Darren Waller from the Raiders, got traded to the Giants after he married Kelsey Plum of the Las Vegas Aces. So they're saying that's quite a wedding present from Josh McDaniels to trade one of his top players to the Giants. Hmm. All right. Uh, big show tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. Paul Feinbaum scheduled to join us. Jim Nagy on what's going on with the NFL. And also back with us, Caden Womack, as the Jags get ready to start spring football. All right, another good one today. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. We'll see you at Moe's tonight before then, though. But until tomorrow at 6, see you!